and welcome to episode 46 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got three segments for you today. Uh, kicking things off, we have Neil and Carmine talking about the EA Summer Showcase. Uh, Carmine was there and got a chance to play a lot of the upcoming uh, Wii U EA games. After that, myself, Neil, Zach, and Mike sit down to talk about Mario Fatigue. We just have too many Mario games right now. Uh, after the outro, there's a bonus segment about dinosaurs. Um, that's with Zach and myself. Enjoy! So we're going to talk about EA and Wii U. Uh, Carmine, who's with me, he got to go to EA's, uh, I guess their their Redwood Shores campus, to go check out some Wii U stuff, right? Yeah, but uh, unfortunately they didn't uh, have the demo set up for me to design a FemShep or anything, so no <laughs> news on that front, I'm afraid. Uh, it's like for the Wii U, we completely cut out female Shepherd. No! Okay, that to would be, be clear, terrible. I don't think that's what happened. Uh, no, no, that's not it. Um, but before we get to talking about the three games that will be out at launch, are they confirmed for launch? I believe that Mass Effect 3 and FIFA are confirmed for launch. Uh, Madden, I think, uh, they haven't, uh, to my knowledge, they haven't committed to a date. Yeah, I, I think Madden's one of those games that's just kind of that nebulous holiday, and so it'll, it'll probably be out at launch or shortly after, but it's probably... I mean, that that was the one game that wasn't playable in any way, shape, or form, so that's probably a, a good indication of why it it's not set for launch right away. Well, I, I feel like it'd be appropriate to kind of discuss how John Riccatello, uh, the CEO of EA, I believe that's his title, um, he was at Nintendo's press conference in E3 2011 when they revealed the Wii U. And it seemed from there that EA was going to have what what he called an unprecedented partnership. Uh, I'm just going to read a quote from when he came on stage. He, he discussed about how Nintendo's new system could broaden, uh, you know, new gameplay horizons, such as a football game where you could call the plays on the on the tablet, which is happening in Madden, or a shooter like Battlefield that would have, you know, wonderful graphics and smooth character animations on on Nintendo's breakthrough controller. And then they talk about, uh, you know, the online functionality that will allow you to download new com- content, find matches, compete on leaderboards, etc., etc. And oddly hints at uh, the Miiverse by talking about how this community would extend to mobile social networks and the web. And the final quote is, is kind of, I guess, it, it feels weird now after seeing what EA has, and that's, uh, Bricatello said at E3 2011, Over the past months, we've been telling our employees and consumers that EA is undergoing a transformation. We're changing games from a thing that you buy to a place that you go. Nintendo's next console is truly transformational as well. A better platform than we've ever been offered by Nintendo. Deeper online capability, and all of it driven by an unprecedented partnership between Nintendo and Electronic Arts. And this was E3 2011. That was a long time ago. What, one yeah. and a half years now? Yep. Wow. Right. So I wonder I wonder what that last thing about it was, The the... I suppose he said something about a cross-mobile, a cross, you know, yeah. social, multi-platform stuff. I, was he talking about Nintendo, or was he talking about EA's own personal thing, it, like Origin? It, it seemed like may, maybe both. Uh, there was an interesting rumor that's been kind of circulating. Uh, right now, I'm kind of I'm looking at a Reddit thread that maybe we'll put in the show notes for this episode that goes over this whole. I guess I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory because it seemed I, I've heard it from several places. But basically, you know, as of E3 2011, EA was working closely with Nintendo, supposedly, on the online infrastructure for Wii U. Um, and then 
I mean, that came from the the Wii games that had online capabilities were generally pretty solid. I mean, people, I never played the Medal of Honor game, but it had 32-player online, and it worked great from what I heard. Nintendo couldn't even get Brawl to work right. Um, but supposedly EA and Nintendo were, were, were fit. They were, they were thick as thieves. Um, and, uh, they revert, they received early dev kits and they were working with them on the online infrastructure and everything was looking great. Miiverse was coming together. And supposedly there was a meeting in Japan with, uh, I think maybe, maybe Peter Moore, maybe Riccatello, some, some semblance of those EA bigwigs went to, went to Kyoto and they were talking to Nintendo. And supposedly EA kind of was like, well, we want you to be a part of Origin. Uh, we want the Wii U to, the online infrastructure to be a part of Origin, which is EA's Steam competitor. And apparently, uh, supposedly Nintendo kind of considered this, but ultimately they didn't do it. And I guess EA felt burned. And if you kind of look at the almost lack of EA at E3, I mean, there was a throwaway mention of Mass Effect 3. Um, and then how what we're getting at launch are, you know, the two token sports games and Mass Effect 3. Um, it seems like EA backed off tremendously from the Wii U. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting rumor because I, I almost want to believe, you know, want to believe that something like that happened. Because something must have happened from going from E3 2011 where you have the CEO of EA say unprecedented partnership. And to a Nintendo fan, this is manna from heaven. This is, oh my god, we're finally getting yeah. parity with other consoles. This is exactly what we want. Yep. And then now we're coming up to the Wii U launch. And if you compare, like, Wii, Wii U support, the Wii, I think, I, I think I checked recently at launch, it had Madden and Need for Speed. Yeah, and so I would say that the Wii U support actually seems stronger than the Wii support. Yeah, it, it, we've got three games instead of two. We've got Mass Effect, you know, yeah. and instead of Need for Speed, we switched out to FIFA. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's better. But it's not exactly this thing that I'd call unprecedented, you know? Yeah, especially since Mass Effect 3 is a port of a game that came out in January. Um, I mean, I, I know both of us are looking forward to that because neither of us have really played Mass Effect, so... Yes, and it, sh- and it showed at the event because I was just bombing. <laughs> I, I played Mass Effect 3 uh, at an EA event before it, before it came out on 360 and PS3 and kind of did the same thing. Um and, like, I mean, the world seems cool. It's just that I, I haven't played any of those games, so I'm looking forward to playing 3 uh, when it hits Wii U. But before we before we get there, um, basically it seems like if this rumor's true and looking at the support that we're getting from EA at launch and the kind of, I guess, quietness on the future, it, I mean, it looks like they're going to treat it the same way they treated the Wii, which was with, you know, the occasional bone every now and then, you know, your Boom Blocks or your Tiger Woods. Um, but... Pretty much, not really too much of anything. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously as a fan, I'm hoping for better than the Wii, and yeah. I define that by ports. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not. Right now, I'm at the point where if I can get to parity uh, yeah, with other I consoles, agree. I'm happy because I only own a Wii, so yep. that's why I never got to play Mass Effect. I, I consider that more of a console experience than a PC, so I really wanted to play it on a console. And I've been waiting all this time. So I'm happy to get it. It's a year late. So obviously uh, I'm, you know, part of a smaller group of people. But if we can get ports, if we can get ports of Mass Effect, if we can get ports of uh, Bioshock, please, you know, that's yeah. what I want. I believe, uh, I mean, that's that's a different company, but I think Bioshock Infinite is looking like it's going to be a Wii U game. I don't know there's been a oh, lot of Oh, rumors. I was thinking Dead Space. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Uh 
Dead Space, uh, I, I'll dream. I'm, I'm not too hopeful in all honesty. I think that was, there was something from, uh, Visceral where they straight up said, like, no. That's oh, not, that's people. not in the works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that see, could, that's, that could that's change. the point I want to climb to. I want to, I mean, we've got a lot of ground to make up. I think Nintendo has a lot of ground to make up for in third party support. And they already said they're not going to compete, you know, with buying exclusives. Yeah. So. And I mean, that's something that Microsoft seems to excel in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as a, as a fan, I'm hoping, well, I, I want to be optimistic. I want to say, okay, look, we've got Mass Effect. Maybe going down the line, we'll get ports. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, this rumor and also the fact that we are getting Mass Effect, uh, BioWare has never really done much of anything on a Nintendo platform. And uh, the rumor or the word is is that they're they're pretty excited to actually have that chance because I, I guess it's just we was such a technical downgrade from what they were doing, you know, with, uh, with your Mass Effects and your Dragon Ages and, and the like. Um, but now it looks like Wii U, you know, will probably see Dragon Age 3 as well. So, I mean, yeah. at, least we're, at least we're getting Bioware support, although I'm not totally into their games, so that doesn't excite me too much. Well, I'd like to be able to play their games first so yeah. that I can know. <laughs> so I'm happy for the chance. And yes, I mean, looking at the change from Wii to Wii U, I do get the sense that this unprecedented partnership, whatever it was going to be, is not going to turn out that way. You know, I think yeah. you've still got mountains to climb as as uh, Nintendo fans looking for a third-party support. I'm hoping for something better, but right now this doesn't, you know, this doesn't uh, point that it's going to be a great improvement, yeah. at least just EA. And of course we don't know a lot about, they're still very quiet about stuff. So, I mean, just what are your general feelings on the event? Uh, did it seem like there was a good vibe, a good buzz about the Wii U games that were there, or was it just kind of ignored for for other stuff that was at the event? You know, I think it was a little bit ignored. And, I mean, of course I'm saying this as someone who, you know, is Nintendo-focused on a Nintendo-focused independent fan site. (laughs) But I I get the sense that uh, there's a lot of hunger out there for news on these games. And even if there's not a lot of news, there is news there that deserves coverage. And uh, when we talked about FIFA... You know, that got picked up a little bit, and when we did an uh, interview with Matt Fryer from EA on FIFA, that got picked up. And I was a little um, surprised that there wasn't a lot. I didn't, well, maybe there was, but I didn't see a lot of uh, other places talk about FIFA, talk about, you know, yeah, what, same here. in depth about what that experience was. Because that, that was, honestly, I played that demo twice. It was fun, you know, and there were other people playing it, maybe... Maybe the thing was the other people playing it, we were, there was a bunch of people who you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see running to uh, Mass Effect 3 Leviathan. Maybe that was all the hardcore people went there, and uh, they never got to check out the little FIFA corner. So, yeah. I think uh, there was um, not as much coverage as there could have been. I know, I'm usually at those EA events, I'm the junkie by the by the EA sports games. Uh, that, that's just generally because I, I like Madden. Um I guess before we get to the games that you have more to say about, how does Madden look in your eyes as someone who probably doesn't give a crap about that game? <laughs> you know what? I think, well, well, here's, uh, Madden was at the event, but it wasn't on the floor. It wasn't playable. So really, if you uh, check out EA's live stream of the event, that's all the Madden that uh, most of us got to see. And they didn't talk about it that much. Basically, and I'm looking at my notes here, they talked about 
basic gamepad features, you know. Yeah, um, like play calling and the like. Yeah, play calling and then rerouting people dynamically, which was cool, but uh, they really didn't go into the meat of the game. So it's hard to come away from that with a sense of what the game really is. But and And the only sense I got coming out of it is that I wonder if, and this is a personal theory of mine, I wonder if this is not going to make launch. I wonder if they're taking the extra time, maybe to get two gamepad support. You know, I think that maybe. that I don't I don't understand Madden without two gamepad support. You know, yeah. on on the NES, I play Tecmo Bowl, and the way you had to, the way you did shows your plays because you can see each other's team plays there. Is you have to secretly enter an up, a down, an A B yeah. code on your controller. And the other player, of course, can't look at it. And unless you can enter a code secretly... Um, well, they actually have the function in, uh, I guess, modern Madden games that you can kind of, like, bluff a play call. Like, if you, like, hold down a button combination, like, you'll be like, you'll, like, you'll basically go over a play, like, hold down a button combination, and it'll select that play, and then you go and, like, pick a play, and then you'll go up the screen, and you could bluff that. Oh, okay. I, I can see how that. But there are ways but... around it, but it's it's not as elegant yeah. as each person having their own little screen, which, in all honesty, excites me a whole lot about Madden. Is yeah. that potential? Yeah, and um, I think that that's my takeaway from uh, Madden is that you know what the game, in the sense that I can tell you what the game is like, it wasn't there. I'm just hoping that it's not there because they're doing a lot more with it than what we've seen. Yeah, and. uh I guess this is some sort of connectivity exclusive, but from talking to uh, the, the Madden PR rep following the event, I did find out that it will be playable in my neck of the woods in, I think, like, September or something like that, I guess, for their fall showcase. Ah, so, so you have something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, 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 if, if you haven't been able to tell by our coverage of the Madden games on Wii, uh, I, I've been in contact with people at uh, Tiburon, um, about the Madden, we the, the Madden games on Nintendo systems, and uh, when we found out about this event, I, I found out shortly before it that it wasn't going to be playable, but that it was going to be playable in the fall. So, I guess it kind of works out in in the grand scheme of things. But let's move on to the other games. Uh, which do you want to talk about next, FIFA or Mass Effect Three? Um, let's get Mass Effect Three out of the way because I think I'll gush about FIFA. <laughs> So, I mean, this is a port of a game that, when when it comes out, will be about, I guess, seven months old. Um, I guess, first off, do you think that there's any... Is there any reason that they've laid out on a fact sheet or anything that would make someone who has already played through the game want to pick up the Wii U version? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, it, there are, it feels like a port, okay? It feels like they went to the <laughs> event and they said, here's Mass Effect 3... You know, and obviously this version, it includes a lot of DLC, and it has touchscreen support. So it's not a bad proposition. It'll have the controversial, uh, the ending DLC, and I think there <laughs> might be another DLC pack that might be included. Uh, yes, I believe so. And then I think that, um, well, I, I, yeah, it has the extended cut, it has multiplayer, you know, and of course it yeah. has that uh, uh, interactive comic backstory thing that will get you through Mass Effect 1 and 2, so you'll have context going into the game. Yeah, it's but, like the same thing that was on Mass Effect 2 and on the PS3, except for it covers two games instead of one. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel that the touchscreen stuff is nice, because you have a map, you know, and you have 
some touch stuff. And then, of course, you can play it just on the t- on the gamepad. That's, so I think that these is, are nice that features. Sexy. That is very yeah, that sexy. Is, that is very sexy. I, I will play <laughs> a lot of games like that. And it's interesting. I'll get an HD system, and I'll end up playing on the non-HD gamepad. See, because um, that's the, the one thing about that, I mean, just the gamepad as, I guess, like a device as itself, is that there are buttons on it, <laughs> therefore it beats the iPad. <laughs> I don't care if I can only play it in the comfort of my living room or some kind of radius from the system, but, uh, because cause it's not like I'm going to be, like, on the streets playing my iPad. Uh, I don't have one, so it's all in theory, but, uh. Well, I have a 3DS and I end up playing that a ton in bed, so. Yeah, same here, and, uh. I mean, if I can, if I can just throw a gamepad next to my bed, play some Mass Effect three before I go to go to sleep in bed without having to look up at a TV, um, that'd be kind of wonderful. We should title a bunch of like uh, our articles like game title in bed. We should have like a series. <laughs> that is brilliant. You guys heard it here first. It's going down. <laughs> so basically, I think I, the sad thing is though, these are great features to add to it. But if you've played it before, I have a hard time recommending that you buy it because yeah. from the sense I get and from what. I know of the game. It's it's a port, and they're exposing it to a new audience, but there's nothing there that's really like, oh, exclusive DLC feature, something like this. Best, yeah. you know. And uh, it kind of so, goes it kind of goes back to what people were saying about Batman. As around E3, you heard a lot of game journalists, uh, you know, people that are playing every game that's coming out, kind of like, oh, if you already played Batman, or, or if you wanted to play Batman: Arkham City, you would have already played it. And I kind of took an impromptu survey of people that I know as gamers and, and a lot of people from our staff. And I asked them, do you want to play Batman? Have you played it? And most of the answers were, yes, I do want to play it. And no, I haven't yet. I'm looking forward to the Wii U version. Yes. So I think, I mean, who knows how big that population is. But just between the two of us, we're, we already know yeah, we have people yeah. who haven't played these games who want to play them on Nintendo consoles. Yep. There's a market in fans, you know, hardcore fans at the least. Uh, just rabid for these types of games, at least amongst our readers. Yes, um, that's very true. I, I know that Mass Effect 3, it might not be an immediate launch purchase for me, but that is a game that I'll probably pick up on uh, on, on the on the Wii U at some point. Oh, no, it's a day one purchase for me, but um, it's going to be painful because I can't handle dual analog. You have to learn. Either that or maybe you can just hope that every game will have a Wii Remote Nunchuck option. Yeah, but unfortunately, Mass Effect 3 won't, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can play that with a Pro Controller, right? Yes, you can. Cool. Um, I believe so. so. But yes, you can. That is pretty nice. Um, so now let's let's get to the big show, uh, the, the FIFA game, which, according to you, it seems like it's it's amazing. So do tell. What makes well, it so amazing? It's, 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 it's a really subtle change, because the fact is, I talking to the person there handling the demo, It's a lot of it is basically uh, the FIFA game on the other consoles. If you wanted to play it just like that, you can. If you want to just play it on the TV with a Wii U Gamepad Pro, a Wii U Controller Pro, um, Pro Controller, whatever, you can. So, I mean, at, at a basic level, there's not actually any ridiculously new features on the Wii U. In fact, it's even missing like one or two like slight, super in-depth features of the other games, because at one point, I think in January, they had to branch off the development, because they couldn't, you know, they had to say, okay, yeah. the weak U code is here, and we just can't bring anything else. Um, yeah, I believe, but, I believe Ultimate Team isn't in it. 
and uh, I think there might be another mode. I, yeah, I'm I not... think there's small things like first touch controls about yeah. how a player doesn't control the ball as well when they first get it if it's like moving quickly. So small things like that. Basically, but, um, stuff that to us neophyte uh, <laughs> soccer game players don't really care. Yeah, stuff I had to ask them to explain to me <laughs> because I heard the word and I didn't understand it. But that said, that said, the fact that you've got this with the touch screen on the Wii U gamepad is absolutely. It's. I think it's a game changer for this game because it just exposes all these features in such a in a, a much more powerful way, and it it. It allows for uh, a much more in-depth manager mode, a much more easier to con- easier to control manager mode, which I think is going to expose this. I mean, if you drag your, like, I intend to drag my dad in, and <laughs> and have him play, or I and in the manager mode, you can handle all these overhead, uh, large bird's eye view strategic decisions, and you don't actually have to play an individual controller. But if That's you look at the Wii U awesome. gamepad, yeah. But if you look at the Wii U gamepad, you can still interact with it at any time because you can touch, you can look at it from like a top-down radar sort of view of the field and you can touch a player and drag a line and then they will go out like that. It almost becomes like a touch-screen RTS soccer game thing and it is so easy. It's it's amazing. I was watching another person playing uh, this woman and she was just playing like that. You know, she would just play like that. She'd touch, she'd drag a player and then she'd try to drag all the players to attack. So I think it just really opens up this game. It's a, it's a sports game, and sports games are very intimidating. And I'm not a big, you know, sports game person, but I went back for this because just having that touchscreen there, I felt like, you know, if I wanted to, I could sit back and I could watch it, or I could jump in the game, and someone else could use it, and we could interact. And another thing is that, that uh, gamepad with someone using that to move players in real time and set up plays and be strategic like that is just going to be amazing in multiplayer. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, so the, the way this works is that, like, you have, uh, like, you could be playing with the gamepad and you'd be kind of looking between the, the TV and the touchscreen at the same time? Um, it's a little confusing at first. Um, but, yes, you could, you could, usually you'll choose one, like, I'll look up at the TV and I'll have the gamepad in my hand and I'll be controlling a player, and I could glance down at the touchscreen and quickly just touch a player and drag to just get him into position, maybe. I think once you get used to it, it's easy to just glance down, touch, and drag. Yeah. Maybe just a two-second uh, sequence there. And uh, there's another thing where you can just shake the gamepad, or I think there's another button you can press, and briefly the gamepad becomes a view of the goal. Oh. So you just quickly tap where that goal, uh, where in that goal you want to aim for it with a shot. They had something like that in the 3DS version, I remember from playing the demo at E3 about a year and a half ago, so my memory might not be too too good, but uh, it was something where, like, you 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 know shoot at the goal and you just tap on the touchscreen to pick a corner of the goal to shoot it into. Yeah, but, I mean, this is great because when you shoot with a goal pressing A, I, I just couldn't get it down, and you don't really have the ability to aim. So... Yeah. Just just bringing that up and tapping quick, I felt so much more in control of what I was That's doing. awesome. And then you can also play this with just the Pro Controller, right? Yeah. And you can and play it with the Wii, just the Wii Remote, of course. Oh, cool. But every, everything will be, like, crunched down. You won't have access to a lot yeah. of features. 
Um, and it is the kind of thing where, like, I could be playing as one player using, you know, the, the Wii Remote oh, yes. or the Pro Controller, and then someone's on the gamepad kind of controlling everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it is awesome. And then, of course, they didn't have it at the event, but they showed, they told me there was going to be online. They showed off the FinTab that was non-functional, but we got to talk about that. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's that's pretty good news, the, the messaging system for in-game. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not a football fan, but I had a lot of fun with this. So I guess we'll have to see what happens when it does come out and we can look at the final game, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited about it already. It sort of crept onto my... Uh, top launch games list that I'm trying to trim down. <laughs> I think I think you and I combined might end up with every <laughs> frigging game that comes out on Wii U, with the exception of Game Party Champions. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Not recommended, <laughs> except for Chiron. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it was great talking to you about the EA stuff. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of, of each of the games, even even Mass Effect Three, where I feel like it's already a known commodity. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting going back to that rumor. I have mixed feelings because I'm sad that we don't have, if that rumor, is, again, is true, if, but I'm sad that we don't have that unprecedented partnership, but if EA was asking for Origins there, I know that Origins has sort of a shaky reputation, at least amongst some people I yeah. know online, so it sounds like Nintendo, sounds like, I don't know, I don't know if I'd be happier with an all Origins online or without it's sort of a, a harsh uh, sticking point. I feel like we traded in EA and uh, got Ubisoft, because uh, <laughs> it seems like they replaced EA's unprecedented partnership. All right, well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, we will I'm sure we'll be talking to you guys soon. everybody, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. My name is Scott Thompson. I'm joined today by Neil Ronahan. Hi! <laughs> Haven't heard that one in a while. Zach Miller. Which segment of Connectivity? This one. <laughs> okay, this one, right here. <laughs> yes, and Mike Sklens. Hello. Hello. Haven't, uh, Mike, when was the last time you were on Connectivity? I don't know. I've had a, I had a friend visiting from Japan uh, for the last two weeks, so I've been kind of wrapped oh, up. Oh, was, was it Baker? Yes, it was Baker. Oh, I remember Baker. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I got a lot of street <laughs> passes from his uh, Japanese DS. He completed the pink sections of, like, two whole puzzle panels for me. One of the big ones and one of the small ones. Yeah. Nice. And I got really far in Find Me, because by the time he was done, he was at level 7. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not the correct hat at level 7. It's weird. Uh, I actually, I'm coming off of visiting Zach up in Alaska. I went on an Alaskan cruise and then spent some days in Anchorage. And when Zach and I street passed, my me just showed up as a generic me from the United States. With question marks <laughs> as a name. We have no idea what's up with that. I think it might be on his end, because Aaron's me also displayed on the friends list in the same manner. And he, But he can see me. Yeah. It's weird. Weird. 
Yeah, maybe like parental settings are set like super <laughs> high or something. Like you were just worried the guy's going to be a walking penis or something. So. <laughs> well, I think that would be on their on their end, right? Well, no, so you can't see it, so you're protected. Yeah. Anywho, sidetrack aside, um, today we're going to be talking about Mario fatigue. Um, over the weekend, I wrote a little editorial about the uh, recent Mario games within the past uh, seven years, I think I said it up, from the release of New Super Mario Brothers. When I wrote up a news story earlier in the week um, about the multiplayer mode in New Super Mario Bros. 2 almost getting cut out entirely because the team didn't think they'd have enough time to implement it, um, there's a lot of comments just, you know, about Nintendo being lazy and hating multiplayer and just being behind the times. And there were a few um, kind of talking about just too much Mario right now and how they're not really interested in this game. And it kind of echoed something I felt after this E3 when we had two new Mario plat- uh, 2D platformers. And then announced. another Mario game with Paper Mario. And then the other 3DS game shown was Luigi's Mansion. Yes. Well, Luigi's Mansion, we can exclude that. It's a Mario character, but it's not. Yeah, right. I, I mean, it's the kind of thing where I see it if people complain about Mario fatigue and they include it, as long as they don't focus too heavily on it, because it's still like... A Mario oh. series title, I guess right? It's no more so than Mario Tennis, if you ask me. Well, then it's no more. It's no more so than Paper Mario either. <laughs> well, see, that that's the thing. I had <laughs> I had to set the the stop somewhere. Otherwise, yeah, you just go down a rabbit hole where you're like, oh my god, there's a Mario in pretty much every game on these platforms. So I tried to keep it to just the um the traditional platformers, whether 3D or 2D. Um, and so what it came out to was there were seven uh Mario games released in the past seven years. Uh, you know, by the end of this year anyway. And so I didn't think it was that there was too much Mario. I thought that it was the quality of the Mario games that could be the problem, and specifically with the new Super Mario Bros. games. See, I I already take a little issue with that, because, I mean, if you look at stuff like, uh, you know, your Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, and then what you were including, Land and World, in your sample yeah. segment, was, was Land 2 in that or no? No, it was just outside the year range. It did it did come out like in the eighth year. Oh, okay. I was keeping it to seven just to keep it right. comparable. Um I mean the thing is is like with Super Mario Brothers one to two, I mean, well one one and two in Japan are virtually the same kind of game, almost like a new Super Mario Brothers one, two new Super Mario Brothers two kind of thing. Yes. And then uh the USA version was originally a different game. So that's a mm-hmm. little weird, although that did change up the formula a whole lot. Yeah. And I mean my thing is that in all honesty, I feel like a lot of the, I guess, the, the hate about how, oh, the new Mario games are so easy comes from the fact that, hey, we've been playing these games for, like, 15, 20 years. I mean, when we first played Super Mario Brothers, it was probably the hardest thing in the world because we never really played video games before then. And it's still a challenging game, don't get me wrong. But when you're coming at that from years of experience with video games and Mario games and you go and play new Super Mario Brothers DS, yeah, of course the game's going to be easier. Well, and to, to me, if, if I can jump in, it's... Ease, I don't think, is the complaint for most people. I mean, I don't think it's a problem with the games being um, too easy. It's that they're too samey. I mean, they're just so similar from game to game. Yeah. Then, I, I mean, in all honesty, like, what's the gigantic difference from Super Mario Brothers 1 to 3? I mean, like, there are definitely improvements, but... What, what no, there's is... a really big difference between Super Mario 1 Graphic, and 3. Super... Graphically, yes. No, Super Mario 1, you can jump, and you get a fireball, uh, and you can get you can use a mushroom. That's it. It's, like, the most bare-bones mechanics. And and 3, you've got, like, a whole bunch of different power-ups. You can 
fly. They've yeah. gotten way more inventive with the level design. Level uh, select screen. You can attack. Yeah, there's a map on the. Yeah, there's the whole map. You know, there's the like, things like the P wing and all these bonus stages. And even like the little end of the level has the little the end of the level has the game where you hit the block and get the icon. Yeah, it's it's evolved. It's a it's an entirely different Mario game. Devil's Advocate played. I mean, but I mean, even still, with I mean, Super Mario World, the Super Mario Brothers three, there's definitely less of an improvement, or at least I guess less of a change in their world. Agreed. I guess you have Yoshi and the secret exits, which yeah. are, I mean, they're the secret really exits good additions. are a uh, you could see them being a whole uh, uh, evolution of the level design in Super Mario Brothers three, though, because yeah. th- th- those levels tended to have some branching paths. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The jump from three to world is not as big as the jump from one to three. Yeah, but still, but still, and they also still, overlap uh, each other in development, I, I think. Or that might not. That's just when they came out in North America. Well, no, you're thinking, yeah, because they came up like two years apart in North America, whereas it was like I uh, think it was three. Well, actually, no, I think it was still only two in Japan. Uh, world, you know, world came out a year earlier in Japan. I think you're right. I just looked at it this weekend. I should know, but I think you're right. I think it was eighty-eight and ninety in Japan, and eighty-nine and ninety-one in America. And yeah, I, I agree that the jump between those two isn't as drastic, but there, there's still a, a big difference there. And I, I think playing three and world are still a, a different experience. I don't think you can just sit down and play two as both of them as well. Um, you know, like as I, blah, I guess what I'm saying is like you can't just be like playing Super Mario World and then just jump straight to Super Mario Three and play quite as well as you were. Like I think it's still a little bit of a, a difference in like learning curve and stuff. Agreed, agreed. The physics are a little different in the world. Now, if we were to think as, like, the new Super Mario Brothers game, the the three of them has kind of, you know, put the similar graphics graphical style aside, because I think that, while that is an issue, it's not a major... Like, I think that's something that people get hung up on, because the graphical... The, st- the, bigger, the, bigger, the bigger complaint is the art style itself. Yeah, yeah which, it's not I, which, I mean, I, I think that's, like, from game to game, that it would be nice if it was different, but it's not. Um, so... Yeah, but as far as as far as like from one to we to two, do you, do you guys see kind of like a, a gameplay shift or any kind of new additions that make the series better? To me, the only the only real inclusion um, that really changed things was the four player multiplayer. Um, that I think was was kind of groundbreaking, especially in, in terms of playing cooperatively yeah. at the same time. Um, versus you know traditionally it's always been you know one person goes and the other person goes. Um, but apart from that, not really. <laughs> it's really just new suits I mean, in each game. The thing that really kind of kills me is how Yoshi's used in Wii. I mean, especially, let's just even compare that to Super Mario World. Super Mario World, you can rock Yoshi in almost every single level. In Wii, Except for castles. Yeah, uh, and ghost houses. Yeah. Um, but in Wii, you can just use him in the level that you find him in, and then you, you just bail, and you're like, later, Yoshi, we'll see you next time I replay this level. Right, which is so bizarre because yeah. he's he's all over like the box art and everything. Like he yep. was like the big like the big pull for this game, and then they they kind of half assed it and like didn't want to design every level to work with him. Yeah. Whereas in World, every level was like developed with the possibility that you would have Yoshi. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing yep. is where uh, uh, I guess disclosure. I'm working on the review for New Super Mario Brothers two, so I've been playing a little bit of that. And the thing that I think that does a lot better than especially the previous two new Super Mario Brothers games is that that does kind of have that cohesion of powers where you can, you know, take the raccoon tail into every level, and usually you can find secret shit because of that. And mm-hmm, I would sure. say that the addition of the 
the, the kind of bullshit carrot on the stick of all the coins to collect does add something kind of significant to the game because I'm exploring a lot more nooks and crannies now, even after I get the star coins, just because in some cases it's just fun to find the places, and then there's usually a, a big old coin reward at the end, and there's a kind of high score mechanic that it'd be great if there were online leaderboards, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I would have rather they put online leaderboards than a kind of half-assed multiplayer. I agree. Neil, have you had a... I mean, in, a... A way, in a way, leaderboards are a multiplayer aspect. Mm-hmm. Neil, have you had a chance mm-hmm. to check out the multiplayer? Probably not. No, I've not. Um, yeah, no. Danny and Dan hadn't either. I'm, I think uh, I think Danny and James Charlton are going to try it this weekend. Okay, cool. But um, yeah. Well, the the big thing too is while the new Super Mario Bros. games are kind of content just to sort of just rehash themselves with, with maybe the inclusion of a new power up, um, each game we've had the Galaxy series. Um, and then New Super Mario 3, or not New Super Mario, uh, Super Mario 3D Land to a lesser extent, like really innovating and providing, uh, a lot of like creative, uh, and new ways to play as Mario. Yeah, I almost, I mean, obviously 3D Land came out very recently, but I almost don't, like, I don't, when I, when we're talking about Mario fatigue, I almost don't even really think about it because it's such a, it was so good and it was so like fresh and, and new and it was like really perfect in a lot of ways that I don't feel like it really contributes as much to this, uh, to this fatigue. It feels like what all it really does to me is all, all Mario 3D Land does is it highlights how much worse New Super Mario Brothers is. Mm-hmm. It's just like this giant yellow highlighter that runs right over it and like, look how <laughs> awesome I am and look how <laughs> shit all this other stuff is. It doesn't, it just, it makes it, I guess it, it makes the other franchise appear weaker in comparison just, just by its mere existence. Right. You know what's kind of ridiculous about this whole situation, too, is that it's it's fatigue on kind of a small scale. Because if you do kind of back it up a little bit, you know, you have, at least from, I guess, a 2D perspective, you have New Super Mario Bros. DS was the first new Mario platformer in over a decade. Right. Uh, or, I guess, 2D platformer. And then New Super Mario Bros. Wii came out three years later. And then what's really the sticking point is that we had 3D Land, which is kind of the hybrid 2D, 3D, came out last year. And then we have two new Super Mario Brothers games this year. This like, year is the we, real kick. We wouldn't even have this discussion if it was just like New Super Mario Brothers U or New Super Mario Brothers 2 just came out next year. Like that's that's the kind of thing is that it's it's so avoidable to just like take another year with uh, the 3DS one. But I guess in in uh, Nintendo's minds it's kind of like they need to make bank really quickly. And in all honesty, this is a surefire way to do it. And unfortunately, that means they're creatively going to suffer a little bit. Yeah, you know, and even even without if if you canceled one of them entirely, like if they kept New Super Mario Brothers U, and instead of Mario, instead of New Super Mario Brothers Two, we got like Mario 3D Land Two. Nobody would complaining be complaining there either. Yeah, right. But I it's think just that we have two games from the weakest Mario franchise at this point. Yep. Yeah, coming out within basically a few months of each other. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they'll get their side-scrolling Mario out for a good long while, and we can just see off-the-walls bonkers shit for the rest of the, the system's lives. That's something I wanted to ask you guys about, too, because in the comments to my article, I, I think a few people um, pointed out that this theory that, well, this is it. Like, you're going to get one 2D platformer for each each console. You just happen to be getting them both, like, sort of right here this year, and then this is going to be it until, the, like... The 4DS or the Wii U2 <laughs> with, signed, signed by Bono. In all honesty, I, 
I will make a bold prediction here. There will be another new Super Mario Brothers game for one of the systems before the end of the I don't generation. Think that's, I don't think that's that bold. I mean, no, I don't one think of so the either. systems is about a year old, and the other will be literally like brand new the day it comes out. There's plenty of time for at least one more of this game, this franchise to come out on one of them. If not more, I was really surprised. By We're looking at like, at least well, five years. I was really surprised. Like people, are like no, no, this is Nintendo's. You know, this is it. They're just getting it out of their system, and then we're going to move on. And in six years, we'll come back to this series. And I just, I do not see that being the case. Now, now it'll I don't be think at we'll least three years. I think. Yeah, yeah. Years. I don't think we'll get one right away. Yeah, but. I would wager five. I think actually, what we'll, I think what we'll probably see is because uh, I don't know how well you guys are versed about the development of New Super Mario Brothers too. Basically, New Super Mario Brothers U, that is the A team. That is the same team that worked on DS and Wii. And I don't know. I think some of them. No, no. Uh, some and some of the people who worked on 3D Land and Mario Kart 7, along with like two basically like rookies, uh, they're, they're working on New Super Mario Brothers too. Like uh, when they had the Iwata ask, we we found out the director of this game. His first thing that he did was less than 10 years ago, he worked on like the gameplay videos for Super Mario Brothers 3 on Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. So like this is this is a young buck. Um but I think what'll probably happen is that after New Super Mario Brothers 2, they're going to do the DLC levels and after that, I hope that Nintendo kind of gives them the keys to the car and it's just like, "All right, have fun, take 2 years and make make a sequel to New Super Mario Brothers 2, but kind of go off the rails a little bit." If that's something that happens, that would be great. Or just make something else that goes off the rails. Make uh, New Wario Brothers 2 and have it be what this game should have been in the first place. They could do New Super Wario. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll come out eventually, I think. In all honesty, like, I would I would love to see that. And that that's something that makes sense. Hopefully it makes sense to Nintendo, too. I just, I really just, you know what, I just want to see him experiment the art. Yeah. Yoshi's Island, but actually good. I mean, exactly. I mean, the original Yoshi's Island was great. The DS one, I don't like. Not the DS. Yeah, the DS one wasn't great. Yeah, but um, if these games looked, if these games that we're getting, if the new Super Mario Brothers U looked exactly like Yoshi's Island, like if it had that art style, would we be complaining then? No. It was I mean, the that's exact the, same game. That is the kind of ridiculous thing of the graphical style, which is why I made that comment earlier, because it is the kind of thing where people are so negative about that style that they just get so negative about the game. I don't. I don't think it's the style. I think it's the fact that the style hasn't changed. I mean, I know we've we've reached a point where it's like, I mean, those those older Mario games. It was all uh, also a benefit of figuring out the current hardware or being able to develop on new hardware that allowed them, you know, the the graphics to change from game to game. And I understand that that's not really uh, where we're at now. We've kind of, you know, for the most part, reached reached as far as we're gonna go, probably in terms of two D platformers. Um, but the fact that they just don't differentiate them at all, and not just visually, but recycle the music, um, is just kind of inexcusable. Yeah, it makes the whole franchise cheap. I, re- I read somewhere that, uh, I, like, someone theorized that Nintendo is just trolling everyone because every every song has the ridiculous, like, the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they it's... Have, like, the, like, the harmony of sheep. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, the the style, and you know, <coughs> the style does affect your opinion of the game. It has to. I mean, it's it's a big component of what uh, what the game is and it just the problem with the style is is it it's they've shot for nostalgic and reminiscent and it sure sells a shitload of video games to do that. Yep. But it's to me what it signals as boring and uninnovative. 
it's just sort of sterile at this point. Yeah, it I sends mean, this was, message to me like right. I don't. It sends this message to me that says. I am exactly what you think I am, and I am nothing more. <laughs> right, and I don't want to be anything more. Anything yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not really three, reaching you know. too high, just kind of like walking. Right. Is 3D Land at the same time is extremely classic looking. It's got this real classic style. They bring back a lot of classic elements, like you know the the raccoon suit and the Tanuki suit, uh, and. It looks really classic, but at the same time, somehow, it looks really fresh, and that's not just because of the 3D, because even if you turn the 3D off, it just has this, it takes this classic style, and it puts this vibrant, like, twist, it simplifies it down a little more, it makes it pop a little more, and it comes out looking a lot better, whereas this is, like, almost just like a photocopy. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming at it from a a unique perspective, because I basically spent last weekend romping through 3D land for the second time uh, to get all the, the... Beat it with Mario, Luigi, and get gold flagpoles. So beat I, that last level yet? No, nah, no, nah, I haven't. I tried a couple more uh, times, but then I got new Super Mario Brothers 2 and started playing that. And and that's what it is. Is I'm basically I have this direct comparison of 3D Land to New Super Mario Brothers 2, and it is like you said, Mike. It's just 3D Land is such a breath of fresh air, and that's part of the reason why from when I first played that game at at E3 uh, two years ago that like I just kind of fell in love with that idea because it's just so it's so new but familiar. And, I mean, New Super Mario Brothers 2, while I'm having a great time with it, it's just, like, I feel like I've been here before. It just feels like the same old shit, maybe with a different hat, and, like, some of the levels are, are pretty damn inventive, but it's still, like, I've seen all this shit before. The thing with it is they, you know, with Super Mario 3D Land, what they did was they kind of emulated Mario 3. Yeah. And with with the new series... They're emulating Mario 1, and the problem with that is Mario 1 is clearly the worst one, artistically <laughs> speaking. Like, I mean, obviously it had the worst graphics, but not just that, it also has the worst art style in general. Because it's just, they didn't have, you know, they didn't put as much production into it. Yeah. You know, it was built from limitations, and as a result, it doesn't look as good, and when you pick something to emulate, why would you pick the worst looking one? You could, they could have done a 2D game exactly like this and styled it after Mario 3, and it would have looked a lot better, because yeah. that's, you know, it wouldn't have looked like 3D Land, it would just look like a 2D version of Mario 3 running on, uh, you know, current hardware, basically. Though I will give them credit that U does seem to be borrowing at least a little bit of style from Super Mario World. And I think that's the kind of thing where you could succeed very well, is if they do kind of go a little more world-like, as opposed to just the Super Mario Brothers games. Yeah, and it I am a little interested in it. I'm interested in U but I think I'm only really interested in you because I only played my friend's copy of New Super Mario Brothers. I beat it, but I only played it, you know, I borrowed it from a friend and beat it in like a weekend. I like, didn't play the Wii version at all. I maybe played like an hour of it, like with a friend. And I'm not going to play two. I have zero interest in it. So I might get you. Like, I haven't really played most of these games because they haven't attracted me, but I think this one might be my breaking point. But, I mean, at least from playing both of the games from E3 demos and, you know, New Super Mario Brothers 2 in, in retail final form, you uh, still is way more interesting. I mean, graphically, <coughs> it actually looks like kind of a leap forward, at least in the, the backgrounds yeah, are way, way better looking and more interesting to look at. And, I mean, it does have that HD sheen. But, yeah, I mean, the, the magic that I experienced was, even at E3, I didn't really find it too engaging, but I went to one of those Wii U experience events in New York, and I went with two of my friends, and we had a fucking ball playing the multiplayer in that. And, I kind of forgot how much fun that new Super Mario Bros. Wii was with four players, something that any of the other platformers I've played with four players doesn't really capture as much, 
And I think that has to do with the kind of familiarity of the Mario series compared to, like, you know, if I throw Ray, if I throw Rayman in front of a friend of mine and they haven't really played a Rayman game, there's there's that disconnection where Mario yeah, is a learning Mario. curve. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, with New Super Mario Bros. U, adding the, the silly little gamepad stuff, it's kind of dumb. But at the same time, like, it's just that layer of interaction where you can just mess with each other, and it's it's awesome. But um, one thing I wrote about, too, in my editorial was the fact that I find that the whole New Super Mario Brothers series to be kind of purposely withholding. I actually compared it to, like, a really long Metroid game where with each uh, entry in the series, you kind of get back one familiar item that, <laughs> you, uh, that you're used to in Mario games. You know, it's like New Super Mario Brothers. Okay, you know, it's great. It, it, it's a throwback. And then with Wii, you get Yoshi back. And now in 2, you get the ability to fly again. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, I know they kind of wanted to, it's like a relaunch of the, of news of Super Mario Brothers in general, like a rebirth. Um, but I just don't know why they couldn't start from where they left off and then build upon it. I agree. Um, I I do, I do have this to say though, is that it seems like to, at least from where I am at, at the second world, it looks like it's, it's a big step up from the DS game. Um, and, and I think that if you have kind of skipped the series in the past, Maybe keep an eye out on this one, see see what people have to say, which it seems to be all over the board. But uh, I, I've been enjoying it a lot, and I think it's you know it's better than DS. It's probably on the same level as Wii, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, it might be might be worth looking into. And now, for a counterpoint, last week uh, Danny and Don were on, and they both kind of were down on the game. Yeah. So. Well, maybe like it falls off a cliff after the third world. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it just gets a bit. Or maybe it just doesn't get any better. Yeah. Maybe it just stays yeah. the same. Yeah, I'll be interested to read your review once you've completed nope. the game. Should be probably um, out by the time you hear this. There you go. So I guess to wrap things up, maybe we can just go around and, I mean, what do you guys think? Too much Mario? Are you sick of 2D Mario? Are you sick of Mario games in general right now? I mean, what, what's your what's your feeling on everything? I guess I'd have to say not really, because uh, I've, I mean, with the exception of the DS one, which is a game that I played through, and then never touched again to the point that I just straight up gave it to my niece when I gave her my DSi. Um, you know, I, I loved Wii. I love Super Mario 3D Land. I love the Galaxy games. I'm really enjoying 2. I'm looking forward to you. Um, and, I mean, my thing is that, like, I, I'm not really feeling too fatigued with it. it. I wish there were more variety in Nintendo's lineup because it seems like it's very Mario-heavy. Mm-hmm. But every game that I've played, I've, I've kind of enjoyed. So... I mean, even Mario Tennis Open was a bit lackluster, but at the same time, it was still a very fun game. So, I, I'm i on board as long as the games don't get <laughs> shitty. So, a, a ringing endorsement from Neil Ryan. I think that can be a box quote. Every game I've played, I've kind of enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll keep playing these until they get shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, keep on feeding them to me. Yeah. Uh, Zach, how do you feel? Uh, I, you know, they're... I really want them to... I want them to put some effort into these games. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like they're really, they've been playing it safe for a really long time with this new Super Mario Brothers uh, series, and you just don't see the inventiveness of the Galaxy games or 3D Land or even Super Mario World. You just don't see it in the in these uh, new Super Mario Brothers games. That's what I miss. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's all. I, I really want them to to go somewhere with it, somewhere they haven't necessarily gone before. Yeah, and I mean, that's something we haven't really touched on, whether or not they, like, they've just taken 2D platformers as far as they can, but I don't really think that's the case. I mean, playing Epic Yarn, 
and uh, yeah. Rayman, Rayman, uh, Rayman's Origins and Rayman Origins and stuff like that. I mean, I think there's still things they they can do. Um, oh yes, if they're willing. What about you, Mike? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna play most of them uh, just because I'm not interested <laughs> in them. And and kind of, I guess like Zach, I sort of think. Or I guess I wish they would make them better, but more, it bothers me that there are development teams working on these games when these teams could be working on something a little more interesting. Not not necessarily be it a Mario game, just you know that sure. it could be something else, some brand new IP or like a reboot of something old that you know, like something like Kid Icarus Uprising, like you know, which kind of came out of nowhere. Like let's reboot this ancient franchise. It's you know they're playing it safe not only with Mario games, but they're playing it safe in general with development yeah. of games. And I kind of wish they would just you know flesh out a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. And that was another comment on, on my article was that someone was saying that, well, this is their effort just to like kind of fill up the coffers a little bit yeah. so they can go out and like and it's make something new. Given their financial situation with the 3DS, they, they need some more cash and this will definitely, definitely do it. So I hope it, uh, I will be optimistic and I'll hope it leads to, uh, to some better games down the line with the money generated from these. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's kind of an unfortunate reality of them falling on hard times financially is that this has to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, yeah, they 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 play conservatively yeah. now. I mean, if you, if you're um, looking for an answer, is why we're getting two new Super Mario Brothers games in one year. That's it. Yeah, it's a different uh, a different topic for a different time, and I don't really want to talk about it now. But just just to leave you with a little something, why isn't there Wii Sports U? Just just something. Scott, to think about. the answer? Not. It, it, we're not ready. It's called Nintendo Land. Yeah, in all honesty, it is. <laughs> That'll be that'll be if they post another year of losses. Wii Sports U will be coming out alongside Wii yeah. Sports 3DS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're too much the same. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that'll do it. So thanks a lot, guys, for uh, being here. Of course. Uh, if, if... <laughs> was that your Bane voice? <laughs> <laughs> that was my that little was... Theobald as uh, Theobald as Bane voice. <laughs> okay. yes. so that's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you're a detective now. You're not allowed to believe in coincidences. I'm just going to use that. Whenever anyone's like something about a rumor, I'll just reply with that. <laughs> well, you, you even did that in our staff email, and I thought yeah, that was yeah, really that, funny. That was the thing is, like, I just saw that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that'll do it, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, see you guys later. All right. Bye. 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 All right, and that will do it for episode 46 of Connectivity. You guys know the routine by now. If you'd like to send us some listener mail, you can always do that at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Uh, if you get a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be great. And uh, you should follow us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, uh, and on the right side of the page, you'll find the Twitter sidebar. Just click there, and you can find all of our handles. All right, we'll see you next week.
and welcome to this bonus segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Zachary Miller. Hi. And we are going to be talking about dinosaurs. What? Yes, that's correct. Zach finally got his uh, his dream come true here. Um, since none of us other uh, Connectivity staff would come up with any questions about dinosaurs for Zach or help him in any <laughs> way with a segment about dinosaurs, he went to the, the forums and got some great questions from uh, you, the listener, and he's going to answer them here. And uh, I will uh, I will read them. Go for so, it. So I've got five questions here from you guys, and then uh, one question of my own. Um, it's, it's like radio trivia podcast. Exactly. So let's start with number one. Uh, this is from Fatty the Hut, and he says, "What the heck happened to the good old brontosaurus? Is that still a recognized dinosaur, or is it all brachiosaur or apatosaurus now or whatnot?" A patosaurus. A patosaurus. Thank you. Indeed. Um, well, I can tell you right now that uh, Brontosaurus actually never existed. Um, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Um, it is the reason it never existed is, is it is a redundant name. Um, what happened uh, with that is that um, Lord, let me think here for a second. Uh, a Patosaurus was discovered in 1877. It's a sauropod dinosaur. Um, it was discovered by Othniel Marsh. Um, and he gave it the, the name of Patasaurus, which means headless lizard, because he didn't find the skull. Uh, and then he later found, just a few years later, he found a more complete specimen. He thought it represented a new animal, and he called it Brontosaurus. Um, about 30 years, almost 30 years went by. Those two animals were both being recognized, but a fellow named Elmer Riggs, Reexamined both of them in 1903. I believe he was working on a sauropod monograph at the time. Uh, and he 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 said they're different species, but they're under the same genus. They're both Apatosaurus. And the reason we use Apatosaurus instead of Brontosaurus is because you always use the first name given. So sure. so like um, well it. And Brontosaurus was named second to the same animal, so it, the name goes back to the original name, which is Apatosaurus. Right, like the original guy who identified it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Brachiosaurus is a completely different kind of sauropod. Um, it's a Brachiosaur, and uh, it's a more vertical sauropod than Apatosaurus, which is a little more uh, horizontal. So that's that. There is no Brontosaurus. There never has been. Um, and I'm not really sure why the popular press still uses Brontosaurus. Now, here is one interesting thing. Uh, the name, th there's a, a real interesting paleontologist named um, uh, Bob Bakker, who you've probably seen if you've ever watched Dinosaur Documentary. He's got a huge beard. He's got a straw hat on all the time. And he really likes the name uh, Brontosaurus. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he's trying to bring it back to a uh, kind of newly discovered sauropod. Well, not really new. It's from 1994. But um, it's a very fragmentary sauropod, uh, and he tried to give it the name Eobrontosaurus um, because you can't use the same – you can't use a name that's that has been invalidated. Okay. So it's off the table, but he's putting the, the – phrase EO in front of it, which just means dawn. Um, <laughs> and his, it's a very questionable naming and probably won't withstand any kind of scrutiny, but he's trying to bring it back. 
Okay, just because he loves that word. Huh? Loves that name. <laughs> All right, well, moving on to the uh, second question. Uh, this is from Bustin98. Does the fossil record show the evolution of the eye socket? Oh, I knew you were going to bring that one up. Uh, no, not really. The um, early evolution of the skeleton is hindered by the fact that early bones were not ossified. The earliest skeletons were cartilage, like sharks have, um, and that doesn't fossilize. But I can speculate a bit and say that the in sharks and uh, uh, earlier kinds of um, or more primitive kinds of fish that have just a cartilage skeleton, the first bony structure or cartilage structure was to protect the brain case, uh, and everything else was just kind of in in the meat. So you can suppose that because the eyes are connected to the brain by a optic nerve, that the eye socket was originally for, a, you know, a hole in that brain case where the optic nerve went through. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the, you know, it fit the whole eye, the more uh, the skeleton ossified. Okay. So that's just go. speculation, but it's, I like to think it's informed speculation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think so. Um, this next question is from Sarek. Um, let's see. Is all coloring made up, or is there proof of coloring? If so, what is it? There is some proof of coloration in dinosaurs. Um, only feathered dinosaurs, though. And that is because uh, the if, if you preserve a feather really well, in the uh, fossil record, if you have really good conditions like ashfall or uh, crushed under, um, you know, if an animal falls to the bottom of, the, of a lagoon and then is uh, quickly buried by sediment and then just it piles on over time and crushes it absolutely flat, you get a very well-preserved feather. And feathers derive their color from the shapes of cells called melanosomes um, that just kind of make them up. And if you compare the melanosome shape of very well-preserved fossil dinosaurs that have color or have feathers to living bird feathers, you can figure out what color the fossil feathers are. Is that making sense so far? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So there, there have been three uh, dino birds who have gotten this coloration treatment. One is an actual non-avian dinosaur called Sinoceropteryx, and it's it's a bit like those compies from Jurassic Park 2. Yeah. But it has feathers. Um, it has little chick, it's chick fuzz all over its body. And it had uh, alternating white and kind of light red stripes down its tail, which is where uh, the fe- fossil feathers are best preserved. Um, the other one is Archaeopteryx. Everyone knows Archaeopteryx. It's the first bird. And its feathers uh, were iridescent like a magpie. Do you have magpies where you live, Scott? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, well, they're, they're kind of like crows or ravens, but they have a really long, they have really long tail feathers and kind of white, black, and iridescent blue. They're real okay. pretty. Um, I don't know of any other iridescent birds off the top of my head, uh, but we have them all over the place here in Anchorage. 
but it's kind of a black with a bluish or greenish sheen. Um, and then finally, there's a a real dino bird uh, related to raptor dinosaurs called a trudontid, and it's named Anchiornis, and it has feather coloration like a woodpecker, uh, mostly black and white with white speckles all over the wings and a kind of a red crown um, on its head of red feathers. So a lot like the woodpeckers we have up here, and I imagine other places too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's, that's three examples, and I know that other uh, fossil birds are being investigated for other coloration. And then as far as the uh, dinosaurs without feathers, then I guess it's just a matter of, you know, kind of dressing them up like in greens and browns, like current day lizards. And yeah, total, the... total guesswork. Yeah, okay. Makes yeah. sense. All right, uh, moving on then. Uh, we have Shaman, and his question is, what's the biggest misconception the layman has about dinosaurs? Oh, that is a good question. Oh, biggest? Okay. Like, what's, the, what's, the, what's the thing you hear and you're just like, you fucking moron? <laughs> <laughs> People always ask me if Jurassic Park is possible, and it's not. Um, but the biggest misconception probably... Oh, God. Really, anything anything about Jurassic Park. I mean, Jurassic Park got a lot of things right, but man, oh man, it it for all the things it got right, it got about three or four things wrong. And and if if it was me personally, I get really sick of seeing uh, uh, dinosaurs on you know documentaries or or in art or popular art where the carnivorous dinosaurs have bunny hands, you know, like zombie hands. And the mm-hmm. raptors in Jurassic Park have that too. And it's, you know, we've known this since the early 1980s. Rat, no carnivorous dinosaur could hold its hands like that. The uh, the easy answer is ra- uh, raptors, T-Rex, all of them, they could hold a basketball, but they can't dribble it. And I don't know how that artistic meme stays in stays in the public consciousness because it's it's been disproven since the 80s, and it really bugs me whenever I see it. So you're saying they should have more movement in their arms? They shouldn't just keep their arms kind of hunched up, like elbows to their sides? Kind oh, of like no, they, they, like... they can do that, sure, but they, they shouldn't have bunny hands. They Their hands should should face each other. Oh, okay. Their palms should face each oh, other. Oh, I see. They okay. weren't able to do a bunny hand posture. Okay, um, yeah. And, and you still see that today. It just bugs the hell out of me. But the other one maybe is that, Birds are dinosaurs, and people are starting to get that. It's taking a while uh, because it's kind of a radical concept when you think about it. Like, dinosaurs are extinct, except birds are dinosaurs. So I see a lot of people surprised. They're still surprised when I tell them that, you know, that turkey you're eating for Thanksgiving is a dinosaur. And they're like, what? (laughs) Uh, And they they don't know what I mean. But I guess that's it. It's it's those okay. two. Okay. And then uh, my question for you is, um, which is your favorite Jurassic Park movie? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> the first one. Uh, the first one because I saw it when I was 10, and it blew my mind. And like I said, you know, back in 1993, they did get a lot of stuff right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's the only Jurassic Park movie that really – 
gets across the awe of dinosaurs. You know, the first time you see that Brachiosaurus, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and but there's nothing like that in 2 or 3. 3 is just a stupid monster movie. <laughs> 3 is bad. <laughs> 3 is awful. In 2, you know, they start having it with that very first scene with the Stegosaurus, when the Stegosaurus walk past, and you're like, that's awesome. But then the Stegosaurus immediately attack people. Yeah. And then it's a monster movie again. Yeah. Um, so that really bugs me about the second one. Well, um, they even had the the little, um, you just mentioned the copies, is that what it was? Yeah, the copies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the they're, they're whole motive in the movie is just to gang up on people and kill them. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, exactly. Which, well, which like maybe that's gang. how they, maybe that's how they hunted, but yeah, it does, it does make it, there's no like awe or like wonder. It is very much like, like you said, like, yeah, a, exactly. Like a monster movie. Now they're, they're currently writing a script for a fourth movie which is either going to be a reboot or a the start of a new trilogy. And I'm very worried about it. You know, it's been long enough that they probably could get away with just rebooting it and I think starting they could. over. I mean, they, they need to start putting feathers on their raptors. And, right. And, uh, and there are so many more cooler dinosaurs they could use now. Like, you know, everyone loves Triceratops, but friggin' Cosmoceratops had 15 horns on its head. <laughs> and, you know, things like that. You could really show people some new stuff. I mean, yeah. everybody knows Triceratops and T-Rex and and Stegosaurus, but there are some really freaking cool dinosaurs out there that nobody knows about because they don't get any press time. So I, I'd like to see that. My, my favorite, uh, did you see that? horrible Disney dinosaur movie with the CG dinosaurs. I, I didn't, actually. You should watch it because the first five minutes are great, and then the movie turns into shit. But <laughs> the bad guy, air quotes, of that movie is a, a carnivorous dinosaur called Carnotaurus, and it's my favorite dinosaur. And I was so happy to see it because it's not T-Rex. Right. And it's a dinosaur that, it's so cool looking. It's got this bulldog head and big bull horns and spikes all over its body and it's real and nobody knew what it was until that movie. So there's so many opportunities you could use uh, to, in, in the new Jurassic Park, you could friggin' educate people about these animals. You don't just right. have to show them a monster movie. And that's what was great about the first one, like you said, is it was it was very educational. I mean, it did introduce you to a lot of dinosaurs you didn't know about. Yeah. I mean, I think even, like, raptors at that point weren't, Raptor, like... Yeah, they weren't, weren't part of the public consciousness. Right. They weren't, like, a household name. No. no. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, those great movies. I just, if they do reboot the uh, the series, I just hope that Jeff Goldblum can still be a part of it. Oh, Yes. Um, that's my my one somehow just, just ham wedge him in there somehow. Have him be the new crazy doctor who like built the island and Ooh, that's a good idea. I like <laughs> just that. something. Something. Yeah. Meanwhile he, he's turning into a fly very slowly. <laughs> yeah. Or he's just turning into a compy very slowly. Prehistoric fly. There yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out he's actually the mosquito that has oh the DNA inside of him. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. You're that's welcome, the twist. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that will do it for uh, Dino Chat here on Connectivity. Um, Zach, I'm sure we'll want to do this more and more. So if you out there have dinosaur questions, um, you can always send them to connectivity at NintendoWorldReport.com. And, um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again in the future if there's uh, enough uh, dino interest out there. Hell, yeah. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye, Bye folks.